Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. There's an interesting trend I'm noticing in the all-consuming world of new media and social media that we're frequently dipping into here on Open House. And it seems that for more and more people, it's not as all-consuming as we might have thought, or as it often, very often, seems. We're tackling this from a number of perspectives tonight in our regular chat with our new media and social media guru, Steve Krieger. Steve, welcome back. Thanks, Lee. Good to be here. Always great to talk. Steve, I want to start with an event that's been happening over this weekend. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right, Lee. So March 1 to 2 was uh, designated by a group called the the, uh, Sabbath Manifesto as the National Day of Unplugging. Uh, And they created um, these two days um, with the intention of helping hyper-connected people to embrace the ancient ritual of a day of rest. Uh, They've been doing this um, through their website since 2010, encouraging people to take a break from uh, technology and giving people tips and resources to do that. But this year, that turned into a two-day event. Over the weekend, they were able to sign a pledge. Um, They were going to participate in this uh, and then take a photo of themselves uh, explaining what they would be doing when they're not using technology. And so people shared, you know, be reading a book, dancing, playing guitar, whatever that is. They don't underestimate the challenge of going cold turkey from our gadgets for a whole weekend. Oh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big challenge, I think. Uh, there's a quote by um, psychology professor Larry uh, Rosen who says that um, you know w- the big change that needs to take place to get us off our uh, our addiction to technology um, requires much more than uh, a one day break, but actually a fundamental change in in our brains to reset them and allow them to calm down periodically, uh, so that we're able to focus uh, on you know one thing rather than lots of different things and to uh, pay attention to what's happening in our world without these distractions and social media and other technologies. And it's very notable, as you say, that this dips into the ancient wisdom, but one much neglected of Sabbath rest. Well, that's right. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, well, you know, we're always kind of come back to the Bible and we said that God uh, actually knows best for the people that he created and that time that uh, he uh, designated just to put aside and just to spend time with your family and reflecting on God and God's goodness and God's kindness and uh, not doing any work but remembering that all the work you know, God has done all of the work uh, and it's time just to have um, some rest in him. Yes. Uh, instead now I think because we have so many connections and so many uh, devices and the pace of life today just seems so much faster than it ever has been uh, before, we really um, seem to be bypassing this wisdom that God has given us. Steve, along with this, there's an interesting survey that the Travelodge Group has done on how people use their gadgets while they're actually away from home. Yeah, so they must have uh, surveyed, I think, some people who were, who were staying with them um, uh, oh. across their, their hotels, uh, and their survey revealed that 70% uh, of people who check into their hotels uh, look at social media uh, before they go to sleep, uh, and 65% send and check their text messages as the last thing they do before they go to sleep. Uh, and the most startling statistic they revealed was that 20% uh, of people who check their phone in bed uh, admit to interrupting sex to read these text messages. Uh, so it's amazing how this pull the technology has that, um, you know, an activity that, you know, is, you know, 
you know, better than looking at our social media, um, is still uh, interrupted uh, by social media. <laughs> Not this little black duck, let me tell you. Just for, <laughs> just for the record. Just saying, right? Just saying. I want to continue uh, with this sense that people are drawing lines on their social media connection. You found one person who quit Facebook because, as he put it, he wanted to live deliberately, and he says the relief was tremendous. Uh, it's it's a great story, and uh, his name is Leo Babauta. Uh, he's a he's a great author, one I followed for um for some time. He's just got some really insightful uh, comments on on modern living, uh, and he um, recognised. He said, "There's so much noise that we are subjected to when we participate neck deep in social media. We're always kind of just looking and consuming and being exposed to so many different messages." And so he decided just to. Um, not just to stop looking at Facebook, but to completely uh, delete his account. Yeah. Uh, he didn't kind of cut himself off from social media entirely. He says he's still on Twitter and, and Google+, and he shares on those networks occasionally, and he checks them uh, no more than once a day. But what he's discovered is that he's, he's writing more, he's reading more, he's walking, he's exercising, uh, and his, his outlook on life and his time to reflect and meditate rather than just be kind of running along with the herd and just responding and um, you know, watching what everyone else is doing has changed remarkably over this period. He does acknowledge, though, that it's meant he's lost a bit of contact with his own family. He has. And he says, you know, one of the big things about social media, because we are social creatures, is you know, our big fear is of being alone, of being left out, of being left behind. And so this is one of the things that keeps so many people on social media, not only to maintain the networks that they have, but also this great fear, I won't know what's happening, I won't know what news is taking place, people won't invite me to things. And so fear is a big reason for sticking with social media. He's acknowledged that there are some challenges and uh, you know we need to learn, I think, to live in a world where people are able to opt out of social media and still um, you know, be able to participate in, in life and know the key events in, in uh, the lives of friends and family. But his, his challenge was that it's easier, and he uses a, um, an animal analogy, so it's easier for the antelope to fall in with the herd, to shift when the rest of its family is shifting, rather than standing on its own to find its own path and be afraid of being eaten by a lion. Uh, which is a good illustration, mm. I think, of, you know, and what is called for in this age of social media and technology that sometimes we need to take a stand. It's one quote that struck me in particular. It's from the theme song of Cheers, that the world today takes everything we've got. Yeah, and I, I think that quote reminded me when I first started out at work, one of my um, my colleagues said to me the same thing about my employer. Um, and she said, look, your employer will always take more. They'll take as much as you want to give them. They'll have as many hours as you're willing to stay here in the office. So she said, set your boundaries and go home. Um, and perhaps there's some wisdom there for our use in so of social media as well. Yes, and somewhat in the same vein, Tim Challies, real favourite of yours, I know, is suggesting a social media heart check. What's that involve? Tim has uh, discovered, um, and look, I'd, I'd never looked into this uh, before this week either, that on Facebook there is what's called an activity log. Um, all of our activity online is logged and tracked through our mobile phone calls to the websites that we view. Nothing is private or unknown. And he discovered, in particular on Facebook, that not only is this um, activity logged, but you're able to see how this activity is being tracked and take a look over it yourself and see um, over um, a period of time all of the um, posts that you've liked and the photos that you've liked and any status updates that you've made. 
but also every page and person that you have looked up uh, and viewed. And the point he's making with this social media heart check is what? He suggests some really good questions that might be worth us considering as we look back over our log of activity on Facebook. So he says, you know, look over all of these people that you've been checking out and these photos that, that you've been viewing and say, look, would you be comfortable with your husband or your wife or your pastor or your friend looking over your shoulder? Um, mm. Are you happy with for them to see you know, these people that you've been um, connecting with? You know, we've touched on in the past, Lee, uh, how much um, Facebook relates to uh, marriage breakdowns and people reconnecting with uh, with old flames. He uh, says, you know, look at the comments that you've left and the status updates you've made, and how does this connect with what we believe as Christians is the you know the, the desire to speak the truth in love? Are we aware of the power of our words um, and the recklessness with which we can use them? Um, or is our speech, you know, as it should be, gracious and, and seasoned with salt? So he, uh, you know, in this series of questions that he poses, encourages people to go back and look over everything they've done and see how it matches up with the life that they are actually trying to live. Okay, so they are the ways in which people are considering how they're using social media, even cutting it back. At the same time, lots of people and churches are ramping up their social media connection. A real shift from old media, for instance, the smiling face of Joel Osteen, known mainly, of course, through television. He's hitting Twitter big time. Yeah, he sure is. Uh, yeah, his his goal, the goal of Joel Osteen Ministries, is to uh, reach as many people as possible. And uh, they've discovered that social media is key uh, to this approach, and they've been doing this doing this well. Uh, Joel is constantly uh, ranked in the top three of uh, religious figures on on social media, generally sandwiched between Joyce Meyer uh, at number one uh, and a, a Muslim activist and uh, teller evangelist from Egypt uh, who is um, coming in at number three uh, and Joel um, you know, he's got some some huge numbers he's got a hundred uh, 1.3 million followers on Twitter and, and 2.8 million uh, friends uh, on Facebook so he's exerting uh, a lot of influence and his um, his words are reaching a large audience there's one particular tweet he was written up about that said release your faith God is shifting things in your favor he's moving the wrong people out and the right people in it had 8,500 retweets. I mean, it's huge. It's pretty consistent with um, a lot of the content that um, that he's producing. 8,500 retweets, 3,000 know, favourites, you know, people who are kind of keeping this as a favourite to, to look back on later. To me, that kind of content sounds more like a horoscope prediction than it does something that, um, that Jesus would say um, or any kind of, you know, biblical truth consistent with um, what Joel Osteen says, not only on TV but across other channels. And... Clearly, he's got lots of people interested in what he's got to say. Yes. It can be a big time commitment for a busy bloke like Joel Osteen. He says he personally reviews each post and reads the responses. Yeah, I, personally, I, I don't know how that's, that's possible. Um, you know, the, the amount of responses that he would receive, um, I mean, he received more than um, you know, most uh, figures on, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, maybe his, his staff are putting together a digest of all of these responses that he can quickly skim through. But I think you know, that just points to one of the other challenges of this age, is that if you have um, a presence, um, it takes a significant amount of time to actually maintain it and to keep track of, of what's going on. Oh, yes. So finally, in our wrap up, we've found that men and women, surprise, surprise, are tweeting differently. 
they are. Uh, this will be interesting as we um, kind of go into the week and, and follow our Twitter accounts to see, um, you know, what, how, how well and how true this holds up. But they said uh, that men use a common language. It's very similar um, across all men. And, and women have their own language that, that they use. Women largely... Um, use a lot, a lot more um, emotion-laden terms, so, you know, sad, love, glad, happy, sick, proud, scared, um, things that relate to, to the heart, uh, whereas men, um, the subject matter is, not surprisingly, a lot of technology and, and sport, but they are much more prone, rather than using these um, emotional words, to just swear. Uh, and so there's a, a big contrast. Women are, are using these uh, words to describe emotion, uh, and the men are swearing. Blokes, mind your language. Steve Greiger, thank you so much, as always. Thanks, Lee. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.